0: Um, We're heading into a a brand new series here, and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But before I do, I want to show you something that's on the West Coast side of your Bible. That's the left. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this. Incredible what we can learn in this one verse. It says, so God, if our culture and our world were able to just see those two words... And embrace those two words, the truth of those two words. Think of how many issues in our culture and in our world that would address. So God. It doesn't stop. So God created. Three words. Think about the issues you're seeing as you're going like this on your phone. The things that are showing up. Think of how those three words, so God created, how it addresses so many Issues that our culture is facing right now. So many places of tension. So many places of struggle. Doesn't stop. So God created man. And it's speaking of mankind. That God, those four words, so God created man. Think of how that addresses the issues that mankind is having with mankind on our planet right now. So God created man, and then it says, in his own image. Think about how that truth, that there is value on mankind, not because of mankind, but because of God. Mankind has value because mankind has been made in the image of God. And if the mankind that were on this planet would look at the other mankind on this planet and see the mankind has value because that mankind has been made in the image of God. Think about how many issues that would address right now today in our world, in our culture. It is hurting. There is pain. It doesn't stop there. In the image of God, he created him. And then it gives something very, very, two very specific details male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Our world is dying for the truth that males and females were created in the image of God and that it was his idea and that it's his design and there's nothing to be ashamed if you were born a male or if you were born a female that you were created the way God designed you to be and you've been made in his image and that you have value your life has value not because of you because of God because you have been made in the image of God. May we be a people that embraces Genesis 127. May we be a people that God uses to take the truth of Genesis 1.27 to our world because our world is hurting and our world needs the truth. Our world needs to know that their life matters because God said so, because God decided to create them. Incredible, so much pain. So much hurt. And as a follower of Jesus, you have the solution to be able to share with others. Genesis 127. May we be that kind of people used by God for Him. We're entering into this great series, Women of the Bible. Because God in His sovereignty he created women. He created men. He he made them male. He made them female. And we're taking a moment to look at some of the incredible women of the Bible. We actually planned to do this series last year. Something got in the way, so we brought it back because it's a great series. We wanna do it. In fact, word got out that we're we're doing this series in a big way. So I'm driving in to the campus this morning and I'm driving down Stanford, and I take a right on Tolly and now I'm driving on Tolly and I'm driving towards the Modesto campus and I see the city of Modesto found out that we're doing a Women of the Bible series because there's this enormous road sign flashing arrows, 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 arrows and it's pointing at the Women of the Bible sign. I'm like... It is great to be in partnership with the city. (laughs) This is awesome. Word got out. We're doing Women of the Bible series. City Modesto wants to get on board. This is incredible. We're so excited. How wonderful. But that didn't stop there. I tell you, I was in Raley's. And I'm in the magazine aisle, and I find out, you never know how words gonna travel about what's happening at Big Valley Grace Community Church because Life Magazine found out we were doing a Women of the Bible series, and they did a whole issue on it. And the one I'm teaching on this morning's even in here, and guess what? They even got a few of the facts right. It's pretty great, so. <laughs> Judges chapter four and Judges chapter five is where we find out about Deborah. Deborah. Deborah, and that's who we're going to look at today. And, and we're doing this series because in God's sovereignty, God chooses a child, a, a daughter of the king that's been made female in the image of God, she's been created. And, and God, in his sovereignty, chooses of one of his kids, one of his daughters, so that his glory might be shown in and through them. It's, it's amazing. This is going to be an incredible series as we see the glory of God displayed through one of his kids. But each of these women, they have some things in common that we're gonna look at this month. One is that they were obedient. They were obedient to the call of God. They were faithful to the call of God on their lives. And they risked their lives to be obedient to God. They at great risk They risk their lives to obey God, their creator, the sovereign king of the universe. And we see that every one of these women are winners. These women are winners in God and it is incredible. And we've got a lot that we can look at and a lot that we can learn and I'm really excited to walk through it together. Now, I'm gonna make a deal with you and you're gonna agree. And here's how the deal's gonna go. I'm not going to preach everything I studied this week. Okay, that's the deal. That's my end of the deal. I'm not going to preach everything I studied. Your end of the deal is you're going to open up your Bible this week and you're going to read Judges chapter 1, Judges chapter 2, Judges chapter 3, Judges chapter 4, and Judges chapter 5. You need to be in the word. I just gave you your reading plan, Monday through Friday, all right? Monday, Judges chapter one, you can see where this is going. Tuesday, Judges, chapter. all right, just work through it. One chapter, Monday through Friday, okay? You're gonna hold up your end of the deal, I'm gonna hold up my end of the deal. That's the first reason, because you need to be in the word. The second reason that I'm not gonna preach to you everything I studied this week is because we have a women's event tonight, we gotta be out of here by then, okay? So, (laughs) in chapter one, give you two words to help you. Those two words are drive out. God says to the people of Israel, drive out the inhabitants of the promised land. Get them out. Drive them out. Go in, take possession of the land, and drive out the inhabitants of the land. Well, we find out that a couple tribes went out and they drove out the inhabitants, but the rest of the tribes, it says they did not drive them out. 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 out. And guess what? It caused All kinds of problems. Huge problems because they did not do what God had asked them to do. You get to chapter two and it's heartbreaking because chapter two starts off in Judges and it says that God tells the people of Israel, you abandoned me. I made a covenant with you and I kept up my end of the covenant deal. And you weren't supposed to go make a covenant with any of the people of the land and you went and made a covenant with them. You abandoned me. Those are harsh words. It gets worse because then God goes on to say, I'm gonna sell you into their hands. I'm gonna, that language is really difficult. That language is really harsh. It was sobering to read that. In chapter two, the third word I would give you is judges. God then takes judges and he raises up judges. And why did he choose these judges? Well, they were willing to obey him. Everyone else was not doing what he asked. So he finds someone who's willing to obey him and he raises them up and puts them in this place called a judge. And as these judges led, there would be peace and there would be deliverance and God would use these judges in crazy ways to to rescue. That's chapter two. Chapter three, one word I'd give you and that word is testing. Testing. God says, I'm going to test you. You see, you were supposed to drive out the nations. You didn't do it. You abandoned me. I sold you into their hands. I'm raising up judges. And then in chapter three, he says, I'm going to test you. And and listen to what he says. He says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the inhabitants of the land, the the nations. I'm going to leave them in your way. They're going to be like a snare to you. And listen, this is why he says, so your kids can learn war. That's what He told them. So your kids can learn war. It's sobering. It's super, it's super sobering. Your daily devotions this week are going to be on fire. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. And so we get to chapter four, where we'll be today. But I want, to, I want to give you an illustration here. God calls his people sheep. And it's not really a huge compliment at first. None of the sheep are taking the SAT, all right? And, you know, it's not like, but when you realize that then he calls himself the good shepherd. It brings context to him calling us sheep because him as the good shepherd, he's coming after us and he's caring for us. His rod and his staff, they guide and lead us, they comfort us. You can read about that in Psalm 23. But it's incredible. And what we have here is we've got a picture of the nation of Israel kind of acting like sheep. And my teammate Katie, she found this video. I want to show this to you. She found this video online, so I had the guys um, <clears throat> steal it from the internet. And uh, I, want to show, I want you to show it to you. Okay, so this is a sheep, you know, in a ditch, all right? So this is a sheep, and, you, and, and this guy's pull. and this is what God does God pulls out the nation of Israel from the ditch, and the nation of Israel runs and dives right back <laughs> into the ditch. And is that not a picture of our life? That right there summarizes the beginning of the book of Judges. Just look at that, just, woo! I wish I could say that my life was not like that. But I'd be lying. Because guess what? God has had to reach down by my hind leg and pull me out from the ditch. And guess what I do? Woo-hoo! God saved me from the ditch, woo-hoo! Dive right back in. By the laughter in the room, I can see no one else relates, right? (laughs) And it's a picture. It's a picture, but God says, hey, you're sheep, but I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And it's about these decisions, decisions we make. In Israel, it's it's, it's decisions, but we see in Deborah incredible decision-making, great decision-making. And this is what I want to share with you. Every believer can become a good leader by making three decisions. Now, there's not just three decisions that help you become a good leader, okay? But we see Deborah making these three decisions and they're very good decisions. And we can see the outcome because she makes these decisions. Uh, Every believer can become a good leader by making three decisions. We'll just look at three decisions. The first one is exhort, decision is exhort. Now that's not a word we use a lot, a really important word though. It's not not one that we use a lot, but it's about good leaders sharing the truth about God. And that word right there, truth, is really important because this is not just good leaders sharing their opinion about God. There's a difference between truth and opinion. This is good leaders share the truth about God. And if you want to know what the truth about God is, you need to read your Bible, which is why I've given you a daily reading plan. You need to read your Bible. You need to find out what the truth of God is in your Bible so that when you hear someone talk, you can match it up and say, does it match what I've read in my Bible? When you hear yourself talk, which more of us need to do, listen to the words that come out of your own mouth. Does it match the word? Good leaders share the truth about God. In chapter four of Judges, verse four, it says, now Deborah, a prophetess. A prophetess, that means that she was the human voice that God was using to share his words. So God had words he wanted spoken, and Deborah was the human voice that God used as a prophetess to share his words for his people. Now Deborah, a prophetess, we find out she's married, she's the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. That's her job. That's her occupation in this moment. Is she God has been raised her up to be a judge? Incredible place of leadership that God raises her up. It says she used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Rama and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. So there's a palm tree, and that's where Deborah liked to have court. That's where she liked to hold court. So they called it the palm of Deborah. It says the people of Israel came to her for judgment. So she's extremely well known. She's a very public figure, and the people of Israel are coming to her for her judgments. In verse 6, we find out she's got a lot of authority. It says she's sent, so there's people working for her. There's, there's a delegation, and it says she's sent and summoned. So not only does the, these, these folks who work for her, are they going out on behalf of her, but they got authority to bring people back. So she's sent and summoned, and it says Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali. So this guy gets summoned before the judge. That's the scene that we have right here. Now when we get into this next part, we see where Deborah makes a good leadership decision and she exhorts. So that's what this next part is. She said to him and she asks a question. She says, has not. She's just asking a question. Has not the Lord, Elohim, Yahweh, the creator of the universe, God Almighty, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? She's asking this guy, hasn't God given you some instructions? Hasn't God commanded you? Hasn't God said something he wanted you to do? Hasn't God spoken to you? Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? And then we see what the command was that she's asking him about. Has God not commanded you? And this is it. I'm gonna read the command and then I'm gonna give you three words that'll help you understand the, the, some handles to hold on to this command. Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 people from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army. To meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give them into your hands. So, what Deborah is doing is she is exhorting him. She's sharing the truth about God to him, and she's just doing it in a question Has God not commanded you this? And these are the three words to help us understand this command. First of all, go. Let's go. There's a movement. God was asking him to move. Go. Gather. He was supposed to gather up the troops. He's supposed to make preparations. Why? Because God was going to give the enemy into his hands. So his part of obedience was go and gather because God was going to give. And she's saying, hasn't this been what God commanded you to do? Doesn't God want you to go and gather because he wants to give the enemy into your hand? She's just asking him a question. It's a good leadership moment. We see his response. He gives a conditional response. If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. It's an if I condition. He, 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 he says, oh, that's what God commanded. Well, if you meet these demands, if you meet these demands, I'll obey God. I wonder how many times God's asking us to go to gather, make some preparations, because he has something he wants to give us, and we come back to God and go, well, we've got some demands we'd like you to meet. I got a list of conditions. And God, if you can meet these conditions, I'll think about doing what you've asked me to do. That's what we're seeing here. He gives a condition. So Deborah says, well, I'll surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you're going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. So Deborah says, well, the outcome's gonna be different now because you're having conditional obedience. The outcome's gonna be different. And she explains what that is. It says, then Deborah arose and went to Barak to, with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali, that's gathering the army. So now he is going and now he is gathering. And the 10,000 men went up at his heels and Deborah went up with him. Wow, a lot we can learn in this section right here. But I think maybe the one thing I'd pull out is God wants us to have unconditional obedience. Just think about that in your own life for a second. Are there places in your life where you go, you know what, I can give God a next level of obedience. I've kind of been holding back and giving him some conditional obedience, but I can, get, I can take a step. I can make a good leadership decision in my life, and I can give God unconditional obedience. And if you're kind of wondering if you have a place of unconditional obedience um, in, or of, of conditional obedience that you're struggling with in your life, you just have to think, of that. if you can think of reasons why you don't want to do stuff God's asked you to do, there you go. All right? Just if you can think of well, here's reasons why I don't, I'm not going to do what God. Here's some reasons why. I, just, that's it, that's the spot. That's God, maybe God wants to, maybe that's it right there for you today. That's the spot God wants to work in. Decision number one is exhort. We see Deborah do this, she's a great leader. Good leaders share the truth about God. Decision number two is encourage. Good leaders build up the faith of others. So, when Sisera, this is the, the, the leader of the army. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out his chariots. 900 chariots of iron, that's a lot of iron, that's a lot of chariots, It's a lot of horses, a lot of, a lot of guys on them. And all the men who were with him from Heresheth, Haggiam, to the river Kishon. And then Deborah said to Barak. So now we see the second moment, the second leadership discussion. And she encourages, it's really great. And she says, up, up. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Up, my mom telling me to get out of bed. Up, get up, right? It's 2 p.m., right? For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Up, it's like now, like it's now, God is on the move. Now go gather because he wants to give the enemy into your hand. And she's like, it is happening right now, get up. This is the day which the Lord has given Cicero into your hand. We can learn a lot of that, but take an action now because today's God's day. God's going before you. And listen to what she says next. This next sentence, what she says is something that we can say to one another. This is a great line. She says, does not the Lord go out before you? Does not the Lord? you got some stuff going on in your job, does not the Lord go out before you? You got some stuff going on at school, does not the Lord go out before you? You got some stuff going on in your neighborhood, does not the Lord go out before you? You got some stuff going on in your family, does not the Lord go out before you? That is an incredible way for us to encourage one another. Let us be a people that encourage one another. God goes with us. He said, I'm never gonna leave you and I'm never gonna forsake you, I'm gonna be with you always. Does not the Lord go out before you? Whew. God is awesome. God is awesome. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, he's now encouraged, with 10,000 men following him, and it says, the Lord routed Sisera. I love that word, routed. That's such a good word. We don't use that word very much, but it means he pummeled everybody. He gave them a beating. The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. So the leader of the enemy army, he flees, he's a deserter, he's running. Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth Hagim, so he he beat them down all the way back to where they came from. And all of the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword and not a man was left, and that's what God did. You see, God, he had in chapter one, he had asked to drive out the nations and they didn't obey him, so you know what he's doing? He's cleaning up the mess right now. God's cleaning up the mess and he's getting the job done and he's getting the job done right, which should be a lesson to us because God's gonna accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. The issue is are we gonna be obedient in the process? God has stuff he wants to do with you. God has stuff he wants to do in our lives. But are we gonna be obedient to him as he's doing it? Verse 17, but Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael. So this is the leader of the enemy army. He's deserting the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, "'Turn aside, my lord. "'Turn aside to me. "'Do not be afraid.'" So he turned aside to her in the tent, and she covered him with a rug. Because everybody knows that works when you're playing hide-and-go-seek. No one's going to see the man-shaped warrior lump underneath the rug in the middle of the tent. That always works when I'm playing with my kids, hide-and-go-seek, right? And he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened up a skin of milk, she gave him a drink, and she covered him. And He said to her, stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, is anyone here, say no. Because they won't be able to see the warrior-shaped lump in the middle of the rug. And then it gets awesome. Verse 21. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was laying fast asleep from weariness, You gotta be careful who you are in peace treaties with. This lady is not messing around. In this moment, she's got a choice to make and she chooses to be on God's team. That day, She knew she had a rug, she knew she had a hammer, and she knew she had a tent peg. But I'm guessing she had no clue those three things were gonna come together in a moment for her to express obedience to God. Incredible. So he died. I guess he would in that moment. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, come and I will show you the man who you're seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple covered with a rug that part's not in there i just added covered with a rug because it's funny to me i think it's funny that he was underneath the rug i don't know something about that this is funny like so on that day god subdued jabin the king of canaan before the people of israel god did it god's the one who did it that's one of the facts they got wrong in the magazine god's the one who did it god did it this is about god this is about what he's doing what he's up to I would just maybe give you this thought. I was really convicted thinking about this illustration, this image. Is there a man-sized warrior issue of sin that's hiding underneath a rug in your heart? And does it need to be driven out? God wanted them to drive out the nation of Israel and they didn't do it, so God does the work. And then he allows Jail to be used in an incredible moment to where literally she drives out the enemy like with a hammer and a tent peg and drives it through his head. And I just thought, God, help me to be humble enough to, is there a place where there's like a enemy-sized lump underneath a rug in my heart and it needs to be exposed? It needs to be driven out? Maybe that image right there, maybe that's the image that God might use in your heart, that you're gonna deal with him today and you're gonna allow him to love you in a new way and in a new place. Decision number two is encourage, good leaders build the faith of others. We see Deborah being a great encourager, to Barack. It's pretty incredible. Decision number 3 is charge. Good leaders call others to obey God. Now we see Deborah already doing this in the two previous moments, but in chapter 5 we see it like in a kind of a unique way. Chapter 5 is a song. So when you get to Friday of your reading plan this week and you're in chapter 5, you're going to see how the Hebrews write songs. It's different. They write songs different. When you read chapter 5, try singing it out loud. It's different. The lyrics and stuff, it's, it's different than we hear songs. It's, they got a different way of doing things. But listen, it says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, and this is how they begin their song, that the leaders took the lead in Israel. Because that's what leaders are supposed to do. They're supposed to lead. And De- we see Deborah leading. We see her exhorting and encouraging and charging Barak to lead. And the leaders led. But it also says that the people offered themselves willingly. There's 10,000 people who offered themselves to go out to battle. 10,000 people. But there was also one woman in a tent who offered herself humbly to be used by God that day. It's incredible that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, and then she just says, Bless the Lord. And it shows us that when we're obedient, that's an act of worship. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll obey me. When we're obedient to God, it's an act of worship. And then she says, hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing, I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. In other words, everybody who's in important places, listen up, God is awesome, and he is on the move, and God is working, and I wanna make sure everybody knows it, it's incredible. It says, Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, yes, the clouds dropped with water. Remember, this is a song. And in this, in this song, it's saying, in the battle, God made it rain. Think about dirt. Think about rain. Think about what happens when dirt and rain happen. Think about 900 chariots of iron. Getting stuck in the mud, getting toppled over. Looks like the kid's learning how to drive. A Just incredible moment. And God did it. It says that the mountains quaked before the Lord. Even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. Just erupts in song. That the leaders took the lead. That the people offered themselves willingly. Man, she's just charging everybody. Obey God. Live a life of worship. Obey God and live a life of worship. Incredible. In Judges chapter five, verse seven, she makes a really interesting statement. She says, I arose as a mother in Israel. I read that and I went, that is really interesting the way that's worded. I arose as a mother in Israel. Made me stop and think. The language of it really caught my attention. And then I remembered something Paul said to the Thessalonians. He says, you know how we dealt with you we dealt with you like a father with his children. She says, I rose like a mother in Israel, and Paul says, I'm like a father with his children. Both of them choose parental language. I thought that's really interesting that they use parental language to talk about their relationship and leadership and how God's used them. And it just points to the fact that we have an awesome parent. Now, I don't know about your earthly parents. I don't know if they've been great or if they've been a a disaster. I'm not sure, okay? But every one of us has one best parent. We have access to the best parent. And that is God, the the Father. And in this moment, uh, I think Deborah and Paul both, they're just recognizing how awesome God is. And God's just working in their life. God's working in their life. And they've just used it in an incredible way. And Paul says this, for you know like a father with his children. And listen to what he said. The things that he says he did really match what Deborah did. We exhorted each one of you. Deborah exhorted Good leaders share the truth about God. He says, we encouraged you. Deborah encouraged. Good leaders build up the faith of others. And we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Deborah charged. Good leaders call others to obey God. Deborah, she recognizes she's a child of the best parent, the father of God. Paul, Paul recognizes he's a child of the best parent, the father of God. Do you? Do you? Do you recognize that you're a child of the best parent, the father of God? You know, it's why I believe Jesus, when he says, this is how you should pray, he says, pray then like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. We have an awesome father. He's also a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of moments when I've been face down in the ditch and I needed God to pull me out. And he reaches down and he pulls me out by the hind leg and he he, picks me up and he puts me back on the ground because he loves me. Has God ever rescued you? Has God ever pulled you out when you did a nosedive into a ditch? It's because he loves you and he cares about you. And aren't you glad you don't just have like one ticket out of the ditch? You're laughing because you realize how many thousands of tickets you need, right? And God just keeps loving us and he keeps pulling us out. Because he loves us. So this is what I would add, okay? Good leaders. We're talking about decisions that we make. Good leadership decisions, okay? Good leaders, they exhort with truth, they encourage in faith, and they charge to obey. And here's how we want to end. We want to end reflecting. What good leadership decision will you make today? We want to enter into a time of prayer. The band's gonna come out in just a moment, they're gonna lead us through a song, but before we do that, we want to have a moment just to reflect in prayer and just ask God, what 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 would you want to do in my heart today? How would you want to work in my heart today? So let's go to prayer before the Lord about these things and see what God might want to do. God, we need you to reveal how you want to work. Where where is it that you want to stir something up in our heart? Is there a place, God, right now in our heart that you would want to exhort with truth? Maybe you want to exhort with truth in our own lives. Maybe you want to use us to exhort with truth in the life of somebody else. God, would you help us understand? Would you bring it to our attention? Would you show us how we can take a step of, of faith in you in obedience in you today? Take a step towards the truth. God, maybe you wanna encourage in faith. There's something you wanna encourage in our faith. Maybe it's in our own faith. But God, maybe you wanna use us to encourage the faith of others. God, would you show us? Would you help us see it? We need encouragement from you, Lord. Would you help us receive it? It's amazing that the word courage is in the middle of encouragement. God, would you build courage into our lives? In the places that we're most afraid, would we have your courage? Lord, maybe there's a place that you want us to charge us to obey. Maybe in our own, our own life, you, you, you want to charge us to obey. Maybe you're going to use us to, to charge someone to obey. Maybe there's a warrior-sized lump hiding underneath the rug of our carpet or the rug of our heart, the carpet of our heart. And God, you want to expose it. God, help us. We know you're so good, you're so loving, you're so kind. And we know you want to drive out sin. So God, help us see it. Help us trust you. Help us to believe in you, that you have our best. Lord, we need your help so badly. God, help us to know, is there a step, a good leadership decision step that we can make with you today? Help us to know what that is. It's gonna be different for all of us. And Lord, um, we wanna say thank you. Thank you for being such an awesome father. Thank you for being such a good shepherd. Thank you for not riding us off and blowing us off and just letting us suffer in the ditch, but you pulled us out. And you do it again and again and again and again. And the reason you never stop working is because we keep giving you so much work. We're a ton of work, Lord. It's a good thing you don't get tired. Thank you, Lord. You love us so much. Would you help us to be willing, Lord? Thank you for these men and women that we see in the scriptures. Your kids, used by you for your glory. Help us learn. Help us learn. And God, will we become available to you? May we be available to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's males and females said, amen.